You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome in everyone to the Bonfire Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us this week. Um, we're sitting here and uh, getting ready to get started on uh, what will be uh, episode uh, eight of our, our podcast and just looking forward to um, having you here with us. If you're brand new, again, uh, this is a, a Bible uh, study teaching, uh, Bible discussion type podcast, um, and we, we hope that you'll come in and you'll find something useful and uh, that you'll study with us. And those that have been listening the entire time, we, we appreciate uh, your support and returning to, to spend some time with us. And um, it's uh, it's been really exciting for us, and I've enjoyed it. I don't know about you, Dad, but it's, sure have, it's, yeah. been, uh, it's been an excellent time. So um, we're going to be picking up today in Blessed Assurance. And, and for those uh, that are brand new, Blessed Assurance is our new series that we're going through. Um, it's a study of First John. And uh, in today's uh, episode, we're going to be diving into First John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. And so, um, without further delay, we're just going to jump right into that, Dad, and and uh, start looking at this. And I'll I'll read the scripture to get us started, okay. and we'll see uh, we'll see where this goes. So, um, again, First John chapter uh, two, and this is verse fifteen through uh, verse seventeen, and it says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world, for if anyone loves the world." The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust in it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Mm, yeah. So that's our text for today, Dad. Um, just a, a great uh, section of scripture. It's a, a small portion. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, how much did we need to go? Uh, did we go further into chapter two? But we we both felt pretty strong that we needed to stay right here because there's just so much in this right. short uh, text here that we can get into. And so that's right. Um, I'm going to start it off with just kind of talking about a, a couple of things that that uh, came through to me, and and the, the first thing that I really feel like we have to do is in verse 15 is talk about um, it says do not love the world and and really think about what the world is and define that. Um, you know, this is not about the world of uh, nature or the world of man. Meaning, it's not about mm-hmm. the 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 world that you see around you. You know, the beautiful mountains, the the trees, the birds. Right. Uh, that's not what um, uh, John is trying to say here. Uh, Christians mm-hmm. are to appreciate uh, the beauty and the usefulness um, of Earth, mm-hmm. and um, it's definitely not uh, talking about the world of men. Meaning, uh, the people. We're called to to love people. Uh, right. Christ called us to uh, to love everyone and and not to um, you know, pull away from them that we are to befriend um, our friends and we're also to befriend our enemies. Yeah, God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Cor- you know, that means that God loved the world and humanity. He loves everybody. He loves all of you that are listening out there. That's right. So this world uh, that was named as our enemy and, and is the actual invisible spiritual system um, that opposes God and opposes Christ. And mm-hmm. it's actually a Satan's system. This is uh, his system that he uses to um, oppose the work of Christ here on the earth. And it is, if you're wondering, okay, well, tell me more. It is the exact opposite of everything that is good and that is holy mm-hmm. um, and it is spiritual. Uh, that is the world that we're talking about mm-hmm. um, in here. And so, um, you know, the next thing that, that once we understand kind of what this world is that we're talking about, I feel like we've got to talk about what does uh, love of the world look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just have a couple things here that, that came to me um, that we I feel like we need to go through. It says, 
Uh, many times uh, we shorten this down to uh, just really one word. Uh, we typically use the word worldliness. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes what we refer to as love of the world, or it gets kind of boiled down to that that one term. And so when we look at worldliness and what that means, mm-hmm. uh, worldliness is um, is not necessarily a, a, as much a matter of your activity or what you're doing. Um, uh-huh. As it is a matter of attitude, right? right? You know, I think it's fairly easy for Christians and believers to identify places that are bad for them to go. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty easy for Christians to identify uh, tasks or activities that are are displeasing and, and to stay away from that. Right. But um, that doesn't mean that they still don't have a love for the world because it's it's more than again the activity or the the action. It's uh, really about a matter of the heart. Um, mm-hmm. That's what worldliness gets down to is, is, is a matter of the heart. And the things that uh, are considered worldly um, are definitely wrong. And right. the Bible clearly calls those things sins. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through on the podcast um, already many times, Dad, and we've talked about Galatians chapter 5, mm-hmm. uh, right? And in chapter 5, you find that extensive list of, of what it says, works of the flesh, which are basically, for the purpose of this uh, text, would be worldly works. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the things that we're talking about. Um, it, that's what the world and the world system is about. It's anything that opposes uh, Christ. It's anything that opposes the things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, that is this worldly system. Uh, that we're we're talking about, and I again I said I think it's fairly easy. Uh, I guess it it kind of face value for Christians to identify mm-hmm. uh, those kind of negative things, right? Um, but I think it's also possible, Dad, that it, there's still good things uh, that can be considered uh, love of the world. You know, um, it's it's uh, possible for you to to take your pursuit of of uh, professionalism in your job mm-hmm. and make that a a, a worldly pursuit that gets in front of your relationship with God or that's right you could take um, you know it, really anything around you that mm-hmm. uh, that is here and that is physical and it is now and mm-hmm. use that as something that disrupts uh, your relationship with God so I found a, a practical definition of worldliness that probably fits best uh, for our conversation today and mm-hmm. and that is that uh, worldliness is anything in a Christian's uh, life that causes him to lose enjoyment in the father's love or to lose the desire to do the Father's will. Right, yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, thinking back about the world, what's behind the world, you know, the world has a ruler, a ruler. And the Scriptures tell us that Satan is the ruler of the world. He's the ruler. The Bible says in John twelve thirty one, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. The prince of this world is Satan. And you know where the world resides? The world resides in the lap of the wicked one. First John five nineteen. In the same book of the Bible we're studying, it says, And we know that we're of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So it has a ruler. And it's in the lap of the wicked one. And, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 12, the apostle Paul, he mentions the spirit of the world and the wisdom of the world. The world has a spirit. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. We'll be talking about that another time. And it is that of opposing Christ. And this world has a wisdom, yet... This world's wisdom's all warped and twisted. You know, a long time ago, when a person got put in jail, the first thing they'd give them is a Bible. Now, I know things have changed now here lately. But, you know, you couldn't have the Bible in school, but yet they go out and do wrong. What's the first thing they give them is a Bible? Bible, Because worldly wisdom's all warped and mixed up, you know. 
Uh, Jesus said, if you're of the world, the world will love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So this world is your enemy if you're a child of God. It is not your friend. It is the enemy of God. And that's one of the very reasons why we should not love and admire the world. How can we love and admire a system that hates our God? That, that's exactly right. And that brings us into really our, our next um, set of, of texts that we'll go into. And so if we look at verse 15, we'll call it verse 15b, um, kind of the back half of, of that verse there, you know, it, it says that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that's really what you were, you were speaking to there, right. Dad, is mm-hmm. uh, it's... Um, it's really impossible for there to be a love of the world and a love of the Father at the same time. It's kind of like our conversation a couple of weeks ago about light and dark. That's right. You know, those two can't be there at the same time. It's yeah. it's, it's impossible for it to be there. And um, so the love of the Father and, again, the love of the world cannot coexist. And this is the, the hard part that I think Christians really need to understand is to the extent that the Christian loves the world system and the things in it, he does not love the Father an equal amount, right? right? So, you know, if if you're trading, you're basically trading. You're going to either going to love the world or you're going to love the Father, mm-hmm. and the the amount of love that you're spending there is, is a trade off of of each other. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even uh, Jesus said, you know, in Matthew uh, chapter six twenty four, where he was speaking there, it says, you know, a person cannot serve two masters, right? And that's really kind of what John's alluding to here is is that this impossible for you to love the world. And say that you're a love of the Father, because again, as you just went through, mm-hmm. the world is completely counter and against everything of Christ. That's and right. And if Christ is your Father and God your Father is is who you're serving, you can't love something that's opposing your Father. That's right. You know, what Jesus said about serving two masters, he said you can't do that for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Mm, yeah. And you know, I, I saw another uh, phrase here. Um, it says... Uh, a better way to describe this, or another way to describe it, rather, is the love for the world pushes out the love for the Father. That's right. I mean, and so again, it speaks to um, you can't have both. You can't ride the fence. Again, we've hit uh, this kind of topic on several of our our recent podcasts. Uh, reminds me of the narrow way, right? You can't uh-huh. have it both ways. That's you right. You can't choose to be on one path and the other at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to choose one. And and obviously, if you're saying that you love the world or you have a worldly tendency, then the love of the Father. Is not in you is what John's saying here. That's right. Well, Dad, let's uh, move on to verse 16 now. And so uh, looking at verse 16, it says, For all in this world, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that's verse 16 there. And so, you know, in that particular verse, um, Charles Spurgeon, you know, one of, one of the uh, great preachers of, of, of old, um, I was looking through some of his writings on this particular uh, topic, and he, he used something that I thought was a, a fairly clever um uh, term for this. He called this the devil's trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, we know the trinity that we talk about from a Christian point of view, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but he really uh, pointed this to this is uh, the devil's three tricks, uh, right. you know, the three three bag, uh, or the three tricks in the devil's bag, and that is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. And you can always see uh, uh, the world and Satan through his worldly system using one of these three sure. uh, types of of uh, uh, tricks or, or traps in order to catch people uh, in there. And so I figured we, sh- we should break each of these down and talk about them a little bit more. The first one uh, being the, the lust of the flesh. Now, 
Uh, this particular one uh, is really referring to anything that appeals to man's fallen nature. So we have to remember, right, we have an old sinful nature, and once we receive Christ, uh, we are partakers in a new nature uh, because we have the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. Mm-hmm. But we still have that that sinful nature that's there and kind of uh, underlying, and, and they wage war with each other. We saw Paul talk about that many times in his writing of how uh, it would wage war, uh, his fleshly desires versus his spiritual desires. And right. so uh, this is really what it's talking about, anything that appears to that old sinful nature. And it doesn't necessarily, again, mean the body itself. Um, and so it's talking about that unregenerated man, uh, the nature um, that, uh, that was existing there in him. Mm-hmm. Although it can be things that are physical. Obviously, uh, Satan can use uh, physical uh, worldliness in order to, uh, to capture someone. And so Satan himself, what he, what he typically likes to do is he takes uh, the appeal of our normal appetite, those those things that are normal of man, mm-hmm. um, and he tempts us to satisfy ourselves in forbidden ways. And, you know, you can look at it from anything that we have. So, you know, we have a, a natural drive for, for hunger. Um, and so that's that's a natural drive. But uh, Satan will take that and, and use it as uh, to trick you into gluttony. Right. That's obviously um, a sin. Uh, we we have uh, physical desires as uh, to reproduce, mm-hmm. and Satan will take that and and my goodness, how many ways has he twisted that? Mm-hmm. Um, as we see playing out for us all around us, um, and so that's what he does. He takes these kind of natural desires that we have, and he perverts them and, and presents them in a way that again is unnatural, um, or at least forbidden way to satisfy those needs. That's right. You know, the devil, who is the god of this world, he wants us to satisfy our normal desires in abnormal ways, and when you do you ruin it. You make something that is to be beautiful into something that's ugly and dirty and shameful. What the evil world system does in regard to our desires and appetites is appeal to our flesh or sinful nature to fulfill these desires, like I said, in just sinful, evil ways. Uh, One thing I want to back up and and, uh, mention about uh, how Satan uh, works in this world uh, the Bible points out that Satan has been using the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life to trap men into sin from the beginning. I mean, these same devices trapped Eve back in the garden. Over in Genesis 3, 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise for pride of life, she took of the fruit. And so, like you were mentioning a while ago, the lust of the flesh includes anything that appeals to man's fallen nature. That's right. And so you went back and showed there at the very beginning of time, mm-hmm. Satan's still using those same, same tricks thing, right. uh, to, to get some uh, someone to to move away from God. And, and in that case, he used all three. Um, right. And uh, I think that's what we have to be careful of, because sometimes he'll come at just one angle. Uh, sometimes he'll mix it up and do all three. And we just have to be uh, cognizant as if we stay in the word and stay close to the Father, it'll be easier for us to see those tricks that are coming from the devil. It'll be easier to discern those. Um, the next part uh, of that uh, devil's trinity, if you will, uh, was lust of the eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And so lust of the eyes, we must not forget, you know, our eyes have an appetite too. Um, That's right. You know, we get the saying, feast your eyes on this. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, because our eyes have an appetite. And so uh, 
the lust of the eyes works in a little bit probably more sophisticated or refined manner. You know, when you're using your eyes, uh, you're looking at something that is appealing, that is attractive to you. Um, but your eyes are also the gateway to your mind. That's right. Right. And so the lust of the eyes I see is really a, is more about sophisticated or, or intellectual pleasures. Uh, you know, uh, looking up, uh, at something and, and it comes pleasing to you, whether it's entertainment or whether um, whatever it may be, um, is again that gateway into your mind. And so um, uh, this particular uh, trick of the devil is about intellectual pursuits and um, is contrary that are contrary to God's uh, will and his word. Yeah. You know, Matt, there is something wrong when Christians use the God-given gift of sight to watch programs full of cursing, nudity, and every imaginable perversion of what is good and holy. The devil knows that if he can get us to watch something sinful, we will think something sinful, and soon we will probably be doing something sinful. And the lust of the eyes is also seeing a position or possession and wanting it so badly that we will sin to get it. I thought about this man over in the Old Testament, Achan. Uh, Joshua chapter 7 tells about a soldier named Achan who brought defeat to Joshua's army because of the lust of the eyes. God had warned Israel not to take any spoils from the condemned city of Jericho, but Achan did not obey. And he explained to Joshua, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. The lust of his eyes led him to sin, and his sin led Joshua's army to face defeat when they went into battle the next time. That is that is true. And, you know, you said something there, Dad, uh, that I just want to go back and touch on. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that is kind of running rampant in our culture right now is, is pornography. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, pornography is, is really about the lust of eyes. Right. Um, if looking on something that you see as attractive, ultimately it's obviously a perverted uh, view of, of things. But um, I can't think of how many people I've heard say that uh, they started just by seeing one image. Right. And then it led into another image, into another image. Um, and then ultimately, uh, oftentimes folks that get addicted to this type of, of sinful activity find themselves even acting out that. Right. Uh, and sometimes it leads into to rape and incest and other things. Um, right. And so that's really where we talk about it goes from eyes to mind. So mm-hmm. uh, the person saw this uh, and they said, huh, that's interesting and begin to, to look at it more and more. And then ultimately it may lead to the point of where they're actually doing something, uh, where they're actually acting out what they're seeing there. That's and that's right. a, a pretty scary thing to be thinking about, um, you know, the, the lust of eyes and what that can lead to. Yeah. It's a dangerous road. Um, the other thing that I see here, Dad, with the lust of eyes is um, intellectualism, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, there's an ism for everything now, mm-hmm. and intellectualism is is one that is uh, that is uh, current in our culture today. And but it was there when John was writing this, right? So right. We, we have to think about who John was writing to. He was writing uh, to uh, a lot of Greeks. Um, obviously, this letter was probably written uh, read by uh, Romans as well. And both the Greeks and the Romans, uh, they had this obsession with learning. Uh, enlightenment, wanting to to know more and 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 gain more knowledge, and they felt that if they could get 
to a certain point of enlightenment that they had arrived, right? That's right. And, you know, I still see that so much in today's culture, mm-hmm. you know, and that particularly uh, happens a lot with agnostic and atheists, mm-hmm. is they uh, have this intellectualism of, of where they've uh, got to a point where they've studied and they've learned so much that uh, belief in God is just beneath them, and it's just some fallacy. And um, that is part of the, the lust of eyes, is this intellectual uh, sin that occurs here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, John's not saying, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, we should, uh, you know, be careful with our education, right? I mean, I think you need to get an education, but you need to get one and get over it um, right. and, and move on from it and and not let that be the real drive of what your life is based off of, of mm-hmm. learning more uh, to reach this point of enlightenment. Right. That's exactly right. Well, you know, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I've heard that said before, you know, and some people are become so foolish. The fool said in his heart, there's no God. No, that is true. Well, Dad, the, the third part of the uh, uh, devil's trinity using Spurgeon's words again here um, is the pride of life. Mm-hmm. And so the pride of life, uh, just something to think about here. God's glory is rich and full, but mm-hmm. man's glory is vain and empty. Uh, but that doesn't stop Satan from trying to use uh, the boastful pride to get to someone. Right. And uh, boastful pride really motivates um, a lot of what people do. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, this can be as simple as just the way someone works their finances. Like, you know, I, I see people who are uh, so focused in on keeping up with the Joneses or the neighbors down the road mm-hmm. um, and trying to... to um, uh, make a status symbol. They want they want the the latest car, the the biggest house, or whatever it has, and they'll do anything mm-hmm. that it takes to get there because they want to feel important. And they want to show that they're better than other people, right? And that's a that's an area um, that really you know everyone has uh, kind of that center of pride or, or boastfulness that is there, and the devil will try to pull on that and try to get you to use that. Um, to really tear a person apart. Right. I've heard it said that many folks get into financial messes by buying things that they don't need to impress people, the truth be known, that they don't even like. You think you must have it because that's what the world expects you to do, and you're trying to keep up with others just to impress people. You know, you can even try to impress people spiritually by trying to put your spirituality on display so as to make people think that you're more spiritual than you are. If you're spiritual and right with God, you don't have to hang a sign around yourself. Others will just know that you're right with God. Yeah, so this really speaks to anything that you do. Um, again, it, it can be in a negative connotation or a positive connotation in, in terms of sp- spiritualness right. that really tries to put yourself above other people and to show, mm-hmm. look at me, or, or, or to flaunt who you are or what you have is really what uh, this uh, pride of life uh, looks like. And again, um, that's the nature that's there pretty much in all people. And mm-hmm. uh, Satan will really draw it out. And some people, you know, they bite it uh, hook, line, and sinker and mm-hmm. kind of go down that path. You know, there are four things that you need to know about your relationship as a Christian to the world. And we find these four things in the high priestly prayer of Jesus given in John chapter 17. In John, now this is the gospel of John chapter 17, verse 6. Jesus is praying and Jesus said, I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world. The first thing you need to know is if you're a Christian, you are saved out of this world system. 
Galatians 1.4 says that Christ died for us that He might deliver, meaning rescue us from the present evil world. He has saved you out of the world. In verse 11 of John 17, Jesus said, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. So second, you need to know that as a Christian, you're still in the world. You have to live in the world's houses and trade in its businesses and work in its factories. Being saved doesn't take you out of the world physically. Verse 14 gives us the third thing. Jesus said, I have given them thy word, and the word has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So do you get it? Having accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved out of the world. You're still in the world. And now Jesus says you're not of the world. You're still here, but you do not belong to it. And in verse 18, Jesus gives us the fourth thing we need to know. Jesus said to his disciples, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus has sent us, Matt, as believers into the world, not to condemn the world because the world already stands condemned, not to condone the world, but to confront the world with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you keep this in mind, I think you'll better understand how the world operates. The world not only wants you to be in the world, but of the world of the world. So dad, you know, looking at the love of the world and, and kind of what it leads to, obviously we're, we're putting it together here that obviously the, the love of the father is not in him. Right. Um, but I, you know, I think for our listeners, um, one thing that's hard, uh, or that we want to make sure that they're aware of is that love of the world is not necessarily, a uh, a quick thing. Right. It's not necessarily something that, uh, is, uh, instantaneous rather. That's it right. can be a, a process and it can happen gradually over time, which makes it a lot harder for the, our listeners to identify. Yeah. Can you go through kind of what it looks like, um, uh, to be kind of transitioning into a worldliness um, from a from a Christian's point of view? Yeah, the process the world uses to do that is very subtle. And just notice it carefully. This is exactly the way the world will operate in your life. First of all, it will start by trying to get you to be friendly with the world. It will approach you like this. Well, you know you're here. So you would just as well go along and take the course of least resistance. After all, you don't want to be called a religious fanatic. You don't, be, you don't want to be looked at as being weird or a fuddy-duddy. Just be friends with the world. But listen to what God says in James 4.4. 4. James writes, You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship with the world is spiritual adultery. Flirting with the world is unfaithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen out there. Be careful how friendly you become with this world. And second, after you start getting friendly with the world, you become spotted by the world. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in the trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, Matt, I think we'll agree. We live in an evil, dirty, filthy, rotten world. And if you get too friendly with the world, some of the dirt's going to rub off on you. Uh, I want you to know we live in a dirty world. You, we go into the world's offices and factories, and you hear all the filthy language and dirty jokes. When you come home, you feel like you need to take a bath, not only physically, but also mentally and spiritually. Why? It's a dirty world. You can't get too close to the world without being spotted by it. But I want you to know that it's possible to live in the world and not be of the world. One day, a young minister was being escorted through a coal mine. At the entrance of one of the dim passageways, he spied a beautiful white flower growing out of the black earth. 
How can it how can it blossom in such purity and radiance in this dirty mind, the preacher asked. Because God said, well, throw some coal dust on it and see for yourself. And when the preacher did, he was surprised that the fine black particles slid right off the snowy petals, leaving the plant just as lovely and unstained as before. Its surface was smooth that the grit and the grime just could not adhere to it. In commenting on this incident, an unknown author said, Our hearts should have the same characteristic. Just as that flower could not control its habitat, so we cannot avoid living in a world filled with evil. But God's grace, and you know we talked about God's grace, can keep us so clean and unspotted that though sin touches us on every side, it will not cling to us. We as believers live in this evil world, but we're not to be of the world. You know, and such a, a great story, uh, it's a, such a, a simple point to make there is that, you know, all of us, we, we live in the world, regardless of whether you, you work, um, you know, where your location of work is. Uh, you know, Dad, you work in a church environment, right? Right, yeah. Uh, but you're still living in the world. Right. Uh, because you have to, to do business, and you go to the grocery store and different places just like everyone else does. Sure. Um, and so we, we, as Christians, need to remember that we have this role that we're to be in the world. Right. Uh, we just don't need to go down that kind of slippery path of being, as you said, spotted by the world and getting that dirt on us. Um, right. And I think the the best thing that we can do to, to, to prevent that from happening is really to, to draw near to, to God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible says if we draw near to Him, He's going to draw near to us. And as we stay closer uh, to Him, um, as you, you gave that uh, story there, then He will provide uh, kind of that, that Teflon that we need to, to face uh, this dark and dirty world. Um, and the, it's so true. Sometimes you're going to you go out there and you're going to uh, be in the midst of it. And you, when you get home, you're just going to feel like you, you need a shower. Yeah. Um, and as you said, a spiritual shower. And I feel that way many times. And my spiritual shower is uh, spending quiet time with God and just mm-hmm. going to him in prayer and reading. And it's amazing how that will just wash you right off. And it'll give you a new uh, sense of a purpose. And it'll kind of refuel fuel you to go back into the world the next day. It renews your mind. It, it does. renews your mind. You know, Matt, I think about a guy in the Old Testament that gives us an example of how people get close to the world and then get affected by the world. The Old Testament tells about a man named Lot who lost his influence and testimony by becoming too friendly with the world. Lot was a nephew of Abraham, one of the Jewish patriarchs. His story is told in the book of Genesis. You would have never known that Lot was a follower of the God of Abraham, unless you read the New Testament. Yet the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man who lived in a tent. Dr. Jerry Vines has always been one of my favorite preachers, and he tells this story using modern-day experiences. He said one day Lot decided to pitch his tent towards Sodom, a very wicked city. Lot compromised a little. He got on the borderline and engaged in borderline sin. He was living out there on the edge of town, and his children was going to Sodom High, and his wife was a member of the Sodom Bridge Club. Finally, she said to him, Listen, Lot, our children go to school with the rest of the kids in town, and it's such an inconvenience to have to drive back and forth. Why don't we just move to Sodom? And that is what he did. He was friends with the world. He got spotted by the world, and the next thing you read about him, he is conformed to the world. He nearly lost his life in Sodom when God destroyed the city. God sent two angels to get him out. He had become so attached to the world that the angel had to snatch him away. 
He lost his wife because of his sin, because she was so much in love with the world that she turned back and looked upon the destruction of the city when God had commanded her through the angels not to. As a result, she was turned into a pillar of salt, the very thing that she should have been all along. You know, salt seasons makes food taste better and saves preserves. Her presence should have done this for the people of Sodom, but it didn't because she let the world squeeze her into its mold. Yeah, the world will definitely try to uh, conform you. Um, will try to pressure you to fit into uh, that that perfect mold that that is. Well, they say the perfect mold of, of the world, um, and we as Christians have to resist that. Uh, Dad, let's look at verse seventeen here, uh, kind of wrapping up on on our uh, text for today. It says, "And the world is passing away, and the lust of it." But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. So, mm-hmm. you know, I see two main points here uh, for our listeners today is, you know, uh, when Satan's trying to tempt you to, into uh, worldliness, um, he will lie, cheat, and steal to do whatever he can to get yeah. you to come along with him. And many times uh, part of his uh, lie is that uh, the things of this world are permanent yeah. and that they're that they're, they're uh Definite. They're they're real. They're the the spiritual things. Those are things you can't even see. You need to yeah. focus in on the things that are here. Uh, but John reminds us that the things of this world are going to pass away. That's Every, exactly everything, right. yeah, the, everything, everything that's here, uh, everything, uh, worldly possessions are all going to pass away one day. Um, and the only thing that's going to remain is uh, those spiritual things and what you've done with your life. And so, uh, first point is, I think we need as as Christians to focus on storing up our treasures and our riches in heaven, uh-huh. um, and not be so focused in on on things of this world and, and, and the possessions here. Right. Um, that's not saying that we don't be f- uh, physically responsible with our finances and, yeah. and try to plan for the future. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying that we have to walk that fine line of putting too much focus in on, on the things of this world uh, when we should be spending our time and our focus on uh, doing things that will uh, store up those riches in heaven. That's right. And so that's the first thing I see there. And then the second part of that verse, it says, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And so uh, just a couple of things here that, that um, I picked up again from Charles Spurgeon. Um, it, it says uh, that uh, notice what this doesn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably more important to talk about what that statement doesn't say. It doesn't say he who does some great thing uh, that is seen by men. It doesn't say he that builds a massive house or leaves a great deal of money to charity when he dies. It doesn't say that he who sounds a trumpet before him to let everyone know what a good man he is. It doesn't say he that has outdistance everyone else. But what it does say is that he who does the will of God abides forever. And so it's important to know that the obedience um, to the will of God is the pathway to perpetual and everlasting honor and joy. That's the things that will really uh, stand the test of time and will be here uh, Mm -hmm. throughout eternity. Absolutely. Long after this world system has been forgotten and long after this planet has been replaced by the new heavens and new earth, God's faithful servants will remain sharing the glory of God for all eternity. You know, there are pleasures of sin for a season, but there are pleasures forevermore in doing the will of God. A Christian must decide, will I live for the present only, or will I live for the will of God and abide forever? That's exactly right. Well, 
Uh, Dad, we're, we're about out of time here. And uh, so as we just begin to, to wrap up, I uh, just want to encourage all of our listeners to to spend some time reading through First John and, and really uh, spend some time meditating uh, on this section of Scripture because I think it's so important. Um, right. And it's so it's so easy uh, to get caught into uh, the devil's uh, trinity and, and find a, a love of the world, and we need to be uh, keeping our guard up and looking out for that. Right. Um, and so I just encourage people to, to spend some time. And just as we talked about before, oftentimes in studying the Bible, it's not uh, quantity that matters. It's the quality mm-hmm. of what you're doing. And so we just went through, uh, what is that, uh, just two, two, three verses of Scripture there. Right. Um, and uh, it, I feel like if you just spend some time thinking about that and looking at how that applies to your life, uh, you'll get a lot out of that. I want to remind all of our, our listeners as well that we are producing um, some uh, Bible study tools to help you um, along the way. And so uh, for each one of the Blessed Assurance uh, um uh, sessions that we're doing uh, through the series, you will find a uh, accessory discussion question set that will be posted uh, to our, our Facebook page, the Bonefire Ministries Facebook page. So uh, we've heard that some of our listeners are, are using this to kind of uh, facilitate a small group dis- discussion. Mm-hmm. And so we want to come alongside you and really help that and uh, and provide some discussion questions for you. And so again, you'll find those uh, posted on um, the uh, Bonefire Ministries Facebook page. And as always, we want to encourage you to reach out to us, and uh, if you have any questions or any comments that you'd like to to give us, you can email us, um, or you can go on to like uh, Apple Podcast, and you can put in the comments there. We do read those and look at those, um, and we'll respond to you um, in that uh, in that area. So, um, we'll, please join us next week as we come back. We'll be picking up there in First uh, John chapter two. We'll pick up right there in verse eighteen where we left off, and uh, we'll continue to study through the book of First John. And again, I've enjoyed every one of these. Yeah. Dad, yeah, me too. Yeah. I think uh, we've got uh, a lot of good content still to come here in First John. Just a just a fantastic book. So, uh, well, with that, Dad, if you would just pray us out of here, please. Sure, our heavenly Father, you know, Lord, we love you, and we're grateful, Lord, that you love us. Our Father, we pray that the Word of God would prove itself to not return void today. It's went forth through this podcast. We pray, Lord, that you would touch Christians that have been engaging in uh, borderline sin, that are becoming friendly with the world. Help them, Lord, to see that they're to pull away from the world as the Bible says that we're to come apart from the world and be separate and be holy unto God. Help us, Lord, to live for you and put Jesus first in our life each and every day. And, Lord, once again, we also want to remember those that are in our listening audience today that might not have a relationship with God through Jesus, your Son. And, Lord, they don't have eternal life. We pray, dear God, that they would ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin and commit their life to live for Jesus as the Lord of their life, that they, too, might be a child of God and Lord that they might too enjoy the will of God and abiding forever and it's in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content Also be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com